Erit, Erit, yo, this is Sam Sports Podcast. We're talking about sports. We're talking about NFL. We're talking about football. We're talking about football. Football, hell, that's what we're talking about. Wild card weekend's coming up. Mm-hmm. That's why I want to see a little wild card weekend. Mm-hmm. Yep, that's right. Houston Texans, Kansas City Chiefs. Which one of these teams is going to win, going to advance? Everybody's talking about J.J. Watt. J.J. Watt, the cast off the hand. He no longer has a club like Jason Pierre-Paul. Although he didn't blow his fingers off like Jason Pierre-Paul. So uh, he's going to come out. He's going to see if he can gobble up Alex Smith. You know, I was reading um, some articles on ESPN today. I uh, love myself some Bill Barnwell. I'm going to give Bill some credit right now. One day maybe, uh, maybe I can get a chance to meet Bill, schmooze with him, pick his brain about football. He's got a lot of good, 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 good opinions about football, if you know what I mean. So uh, Bill Barnwell is telling me uh, about how the uh, Kansas City Chiefs, he was, he was mentioning about how they run the ball a lot, specifically on first down. Not just running the ball, but also first down efficiency really a lot for Kansas City, uh, which I think is a very good point. And it also speaks a little bit about uh, how Houston's defense can slow that down. You know, if you see J.J. Watt getting into the backfield with Whitney Merciless early on in drives, maybe you'll start seeing some uh, some deep throwing from Alex Smith, which is really not his comfort zone. I think we all can agree that Alex Smith, it's not particularly his comfort zone to be throwing the long ball. Uh, I think the stats would, would support that information. Um, and uh, of, uh, of all the run game, of all the amazing things, they've been doing all of this running without Jamal Charles. They lost Jamal Charles back in week five, and this miraculous 10-game winning streak that they're on uh, started, I think, a week or two after that. Um, and they've done most of this with uh, Sharkandrick West and Spencer Ware, who I-, I don't think anybody really knew who these, these running backs were before, before Charles went down. I-, I-, I'm, I was pretty confident that Niall Davis – would take over and and tote the rock with Jamal Charles down. Uh, that's what happened, I think, a few years ago. And also, I think Jamal Charles missed some games last year. I think that's what happened last year as well. Um, so I would think that that's a good, good. you know, I thought Niall Davis was going to step up and do what he did. But it's uh, clearly they had Andy Reid had some better guys in the – some better runners in the stable. Um how much Jeremy Macklin are we going to see? How much, you know, how explosive is this offense going to be? I think that's really going to be a, a highlight of the game is what is Alex Smith's offense going to look like against J.J. Watt's defense? And in some regards, maybe almost the, the forgettable part or the, the unspoken part of this game is what is Brian Hoyer and the Houston Texans offense going to look like against the Chiefs defense? Hopefully we're going to have Justin Houston back. Chiefs have missed him the last couple of weeks. In, in a way, it almost seems as though they haven't missed him. I think they have. Um, but they've still managed to keep this winning streak going, and uh, they haven't really missed a beat. They nearly nearly won the division over top the Denver Broncos. But uh, Denver, Denver Broncos, can you believe that friggin' team this year? So you're going to see DeAndre Hopkins, uh, supreme running back by committee. You're probably going to see Chris Polk, Jonathan Grimes, and um, uh, Alfred Blue uh, doing whatever they can on the ground for the Houston Texans. It's going to be a tenacious Houston uh, home crowd. 
You're going to be at NRG Stadium. It's going to be Saturday afternoon, probably about 3.30 in the afternoon. Um, but it'll be rocking. Uh, right now, the Chiefs are favored by three. Um, the road team, and, and I believe in every single one of these wildcard weekend games, the road team is favored in every game, if I'm correct. I believe the Steelers are favored over the Bengals, the Chiefs over the Texans. Um, the Seahawks are favored over the, the Vikings. And um, the Redskins and the Packers, you know, the Redskins were favored by one, and now the Packers are favored by one. I think that's Vegas' way of saying, we have no fucking idea who's going to win this game. Uh, and that makes it all the, all the more exciting when you figure out who does win the game when you're like, I'm picking this team, and then they win. You're like, yeah, that's right. And if you want to win a lot of money, you can bet more money on it, try to get those odds to play out in your favor. Um, but back to the Chiefs and the Texans, I'm really thinking that uh, the, uh, the I, I think the Chiefs are going to pull this game out. Hopefully they won't have another one of those epic collapses that they did against the Colts a few years ago. Can people, can we, can we hearken back to that game, that playoff game a few years ago, Andrew, I think it was Andrew Luck's rookie season. I think the game was in Indianapolis and the Chiefs busted out to a huge lead. Uh, they lost Jamal Charles in the game and the Colts came all the way back and embarrassed them. It was one of those you know, epic collapses that I think Andy Reid is probably never really going to forget um, or any, any of us. I, I, I'm certainly not forgetting the game. Um, but now, you know, they're not playing the Colts. They're not playing these, you know, this is hopefully the Chiefs trying to win their first playoff game since 1994. I was just the other day, I was in, uh, my, my in-laws live just outside of Houston. I went to go visit them. So I, I caught a, an issue of the Houston Chronicle, read this whole article about the last playoff win for the Kansas City Chiefs. It was 1994 in Houston against the Houston Oilers with Warren Moon, and um, another one of those, uh, those upset wins where Joe Montana, the great Joe Montana, led the Kansas City Chiefs to victory. And the Oilers had a lead going into halftime. And those Chiefs came all the way back to win the game. I think the final score was 28-20. Um, and then the Chiefs went into Buffalo and lost to the Buffalo Bills, who then uh, lost to... Geez, would have been the 1993 season. So, was that a. That couldn't have been the Cowboys. Was that the. That was the Cowboys. I think that was the Cowboys. Yeah. Yeah, that should have been the Cowboys. That was probably the second back to back year Troy Aikman and, the, and Emmett Smith won the Super Bowl. Um, so, Chiefs won that game that year. Uh, I don't believe. It wasn't much longer after that before. I think two years later, the Houston Oilers moved to, to Nashville and became the. Um, the uh, Tennessee Oilers, and then they became the Tennessee Titans, as we now know them today, and Houston Texans are a new team. Houston Texans, as we know, have won a playoff game sooner than 1994. They won a game in 2012 and 2011, and I think both playoff games, back-to-back -back years, they played Andy Dalton, Marvin Lewis, and the Cincinnati Bengals, and were able to defeat them. All oh, the poor Cincinnati Bengals. Gosh. If anything can go wrong for a team in the playoffs, it's the Cincinnati Bengals ever since Boomer Esiason left the team or Ken Anderson, or whoever was the quarterback at that time. Um, so I'm picking the Chiefs to win this game. I feel confident in that. Uh, I think it's going to be an exciting game. I'd like to see what J.J. Watt does. Uh, I'd like to see what Brian Hoyer does. Um, but I, I'm feeling good that, that uh, 
that I think Alex Smith and, and Andy Reid will hopefully, hopefully Andy Reid won't have any type of clock management issues in that process. Um, so then let's come to the night game. The night game Saturday night is going to be the Steelers and the Bengals. This has got some drama to it. It's a divisional matchup. I feel very strongly when divisional teams play each other. These teams play each other a lot, at least twice a year. Even in the NFL, we talk about all these other sports and how they have all these other games. You know, there's 160 games in baseball. There's 80 games in hockey and basketball. There are only 16 regular season games in the NFL. One game. And the little plays that swing a game either, you know, it's one thing if a team comes in and blows out another team. It's another thing if they win by three points or by two points or very common in football, that one little play can dictate what's going to happen for the rest of a game or dictate if a team wins a game. And very often in football, champions are determined by, well, you know, you look back in week eight and if they didn't get this this third and 18, then they wouldn't have won the game and they wouldn't be in this position and they wouldn't be in the playoffs. I was listening to ESPN the other day. They were saying if, if Aaron Rodgers doesn't get that Hail Mary pass against the Detroit Lions six, seven weeks ago, they might be missing the playoffs right now. And part of the exciting thing with football is that it's true. It's very true. You could find dozens of different plays to attribute that statement with, but it's true. They don't get that play. They don't win that game. Then they're one game behind everyone else, and 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 they have they're one fewer game away from making the playoffs, or they're facing a different opponent. Um, so it's uh, so coming back to the divisional games, Steelers and Bengals. These two teams play each other. They play each other a lot, and this is not. Um, a division like the AFC South, okay? This is a physical division. This is the Bengals, the Steelers, the Ravens, and the Browns. These teams hit each other, and they hit each other hard. They're from blue-collar cities, Cincinnati, Cleveland, Baltimore, and Pittsburgh. These are, these are working-class people who love their teams. They care a lot about what's going on, and they want to win this game. So the Steelers, I think, over the last five, ten years have really dominated that division. Whether there's been other teams in the division or not, the Steelers have dominated. I mean, even as far back as thinking of when uh, they knocked Carson Palmer out of that playoff, it was the same thing. It was a playoff game. It was in Cincinnati, and it was the Bengals and the Steelers, and they knocked out Carson Palmer in the first play of the game. And now you're sitting here, and I believe they officially announced that Andy Dalton is not going to start. His broken thumb is still broken. And who did he break that thumb against? He broke it against the Pittsburgh Steelers when they played three, four weeks ago. I think they played three weeks ago, and it was a blah play. Well, it wasn't a blah play. It was an interception by, by Andy Dalton, and then he tried to tackle the, the, the lineman who intercepted his pass, and that did not work out well in his favor. I think some of the exciting part is that A.J. McCarron, the young backup who's going to be starting in place of Andy Dalton for the Cincinnati Bengals, has performed fairly well. Um, I think he's shown that he can fit into their offense. He has limited his mistakes. He's been able to produce offensively. Um, the A.J. McCarron to A.J. to Green tandem, the A.J. to A.J., that's happened a couple of times. It seems to have been working out. Uh, I think there's some excitement around that. Um, their run game is still intact with Giovanni Bernard and um, Jeremy Hill. Uh, and if we go back to the fact that these teams have played a lot, the first time they played this season – um, I believe it was an, a very exciting game, and the Bengals came back to win the game. I believe that was the one where A.J. Green had this improbable touchdown in the fourth quarter to take the lead. It was one of those 
history-changing games where the Bengals came in and and were, were really early in the season trying to prove that they were a dominant AFC team, whereas Pittsburgh had up and downs all season. Brothlisberger getting hurt, Mike Vick being the quarterback, he coming down, Landry Jones getting the, you know, every game it was, is their offense going to show up? Is their defense going to show up? And, and they've had inconsistency. I, going from, you know, being in the playoffs right now and being very dangerous, the Pittsburgh Steelers two weeks ago dropped a really winnable game against the Baltimore Ravens. And, you know, it, it creates that, that deeper layer of inconsistency with the Steelers, but they're still dangerous. This is still the same team with Antonio Brown, who's far and away the best wide receiver in the league, and Martavis Bryant and Marcus Wheaton. These guys are speedsters. They are going to fly down the field, and they're going to catch touchdown passes, and all it takes is one busted play, one broken coverage, or one improbable catch amongst double teams to get that touchdown. Now, on the other side of the ball, the Steelers' secondary did struggle with the Bengals. The Bengals are a nasty, nasty team. And they showed this season that they really wanted to turn some heads with their ability to put points on the board and have their defense slow things down. And this is the, you know, pretty much a bit of the same defense you've seen Marvin Lewis and Hugh Jackson running for the last couple of years. They got Adam Jones. I know he doesn't like to be called Pac-Man anymore. They got Pac-Man Jones on that team. Sorry, Pac-Man. They got Vontez Burfick. These guys are Geno Atkins. These guys are tenacious, and they're gonna, they're gonna, it's this game, people are gonna get knocked out of this game. Mark my words, someone's gonna get knocked out of this game. It's gonna be physical. I think it's gonna be close. I don't think either team is gonna blow them out. I think right now the Steelers, again, a road team, favored by three points. I, 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 I it, it's tough to pick a winner for this team. It's really tough to pick a winner on who's gonna win this game. Especially now, I just heard that D'Angelo Williams, the fantastic running back who's been filling in for Levy and Bell all season, he's not going to play. This is the third straight time that the Pittsburgh Steelers have gone into a playoff game without their leading rusher. I believe Levy and Bell had the same thing last year. Last year, the Steelers went into the playoffs and Levy and Bell was hurt in week 17, and they had to start Ben Tate at running back. Ben Tate, who is not on a roster. Ben Tate, who was on three different rosters last year, if I'm correct. I believe he was on the um, Cleveland Browns. Then he got cut. Then he was picked up by the uh, uh, Minnesota Vikings. And then the Steelers picked him up for the playoff game. That did not work out. The Steelers lost last year in the playoff game. And I think the same thing happened uh, wait, like 10 years ago. I was reading in an article that they went into a playoff game and Rashard Mendenhall got hurt in week 17 and they didn't have him for the playoff game. Uh, this is a big piece because as exciting as their offense is, which it, it looks like Roethlisberger is going to need to throw the ball everywhere because now they've got, uh, without D'Angelo Williams, they've got, who did I read about? Some guy named Fitzgerald Tussaud is going to be running the ball for them. I mean, they're going to have no names running the ball. Hopefully they can break off a couple of good run plays. In today's NFL, we've all learned that running the ball is, is running backs, their stock and their value is, is not like it was in Emmett Smith's day or even to go further back in you know, the John Riggins days. These guys are, it's sad to say, but they're kind of a dime a dozen. You know, someone gets hurt, someone else comes back in. That's not to say that you, you can't discount a great running back. You can't say that, ah, oh, you can just replace Adrian Peterson. You can't just replace Levy and Bell or D'Angelo Williams. They're going to be lacking, and that's something that might stick out and be a real problem in this game. If they can't get any running game going, 
it's not going to be too difficult for the Bengals to start fearing their passing game when they just start dropping back into coverage and double teaming Antonio Brown. Um, but they got a lot of speedsters. So it could be something where one wrong blitz by the Bengals and Martavis Bryant is gone for a 70 yard touchdown in the fourth quarter. And that could turn a game, especially in a game where field goals are going to be important. Every single point in this game is going to be important, desperately important. And I think it's going to come all the way down to the last possession. And um, I, uh, I'm going to pick the Steelers. I'm going to pick the Pittsburgh Steelers, or the Stellars, as a Stellars, as, a, as my friend used to say. Uh, Pittsburgh Stellars. So I think, I think Roethlisberger will, will show up. I think it'll be exciting. I think, I think the defenses, the defenses and their ability to slow each other down if the Steelers can give A.J. McCarron enough problems, I think Roethlisberger is the quarterback who's going to be able to step up and make the plays when needed to win this game. And it's frustrating, frustrating to see the Bengals play so well, have such a fantastic season, and to have to go into a home playoff game without their starting quarterback against one of the nastiest rivals they have. It's tough, but it's, uh, it's football, and it's going to be very exciting. Oh, the audiences, we're going to love it. We're going to love it so much. Um, so Saturday is the AFC games. You know, they, they normally don't do that. They usually have an AFC and an NFC game on, on each day, but this, this week, I guess they, uh, the NFL decided to, they said, this is, this what fits best for our scheduling. I don't really know like which one is the popular game versus which one's not the popular game. I'm never quite sure if, you know, is the Saturday night game, the, the tastier, you know, ratings game. I, I personally, I think the Sunday, the second game on Sunday, which is usually four o'clock Eastern time. That tends to be maybe one of the more exciting shit. The Sunday games is really what's exciting because Sunday is football. That's what people are used to. Saturday is not really, you know, it's a college football day. So I think they tend to put the, the games that they feel are going to get the lesser ratings on Saturday. I, and I guess they think uh, the AFC matchups are probably going to get the, uh, the lesser rating. I, I don't know if any, that Steelers-Bengals game is probably going to be one of the best matchups of the weekend. So that's just my opinion. Uh, Sunday. So let's go to Sunday. They're going to have the two NFC matchups. Um, the first game on Sunday, 1 o'clock Eastern, is going to be Seattle Seahawks, Minnesota Vikings. This game, whew. Okay, this, this, there's, there's a couple of storylines going on with this game. Um, number one, it's going to be in Minnesota, and it's going to be freezing cold. Uh, Minnesota is in central time, so it means it should, the game will start literally at about 12 noon. It's pretty early on a Sunday. It should be nice and sunny and crisp, but it's going to be darn cold. I'll tell you that right now. Both teams are geared for cold weather. They both run the ball. They both have strong running games. Um, Adrian Peterson, do I need to say anything? Do we need to talk about Adrian Peterson? If you don't know who Adrian Peterson is, then uh, maybe you're just not into football. He's, he's the best running back in the league, won the rushing title this year. He knows about going into a cold weather game and running all over the place. Now, if he can find holes against that Seattle line, you know, you might see him having his own little beast quake moment. Um, on the other hand, the running game, I think they're saying Marshawn Lynch is going to play. He's going to be back from injury. He's going to be back from his, his surgery. He's going to be dominant on the, on the ground, run all over the place, be dominant, be scary. Um, which, listen, I got to see it to believe it. This is a guy who hasn't played in over a month. And we're also in a situation where all of his backups, the Thomas Rawls, who was playing fantastic football until he got hurt, you know, now Seattle is down to their third and fourth string running back. They're down to the Christian Michael and the Bryce Browns, these guys who, 
you know, or just showing up and just toting the ball just to at least say, hey, hey, we're putting a running game together, so now we can, Russell Wilson can air the ball out to, to Doug Baldwin. Um, a couple of additional things to take into consideration here are the storylines with the Seattle offense. In Russell Wilson's time, I don't think he's ever truly been known as this explosive offensive powerhouse. He's a guy who's been able to manage the game and make improbable third down conversions when he needs to. He rolls out of the pocket. He bootlegs. He runs. He'll rush for the first down. He'll find the Luke Wilson, not the guy from old school. He'll find the 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 Tyler Lockett's and the the Cooper Helfits and the and the Chris Matthews and all these other guys you've never heard of who all of a sudden catch you know for you know Jermaine Curse who nobody is ever drafting in fantasy is is the Super Bowl hero from two years ago. I mean, this, Russell Wilson makes those plays, but over the last four to six weeks he hasn't just made those plays. He has been I you know making his mark with those plays. You know, he had a five-touchdown game a few weeks ago. He had two games where he threw three touchdowns to Doug Baldwin. It almost seems as though once the running game got hurt, once Rawls went down and you couldn't count on Thomas Rawls running for 200 yards in a game, they really needed to look to Russell Wilson to air it out. And now we're seeing Russell Wilson airing it out and airing it out very well and doing a hell of a job and – they say again, you don't. There's certain teams you don't want to be facing when you go into the playoffs. This is a team you don't want to be facing when you go into the playoffs. They're playing hot at the right time. You know they say that a lot. You want to get hot at the right time. If you're hot in the beginning of the season and and you limp into the playoffs, there's a good chance you're gonna have a home divisional playoff game and you're gonna lose it to to whoever comes into your house. Just ask Peyton Manning and the Broncos from last season. They limped into the playoffs and they dropped that home game to Andrew Luck and the Colts. Um, or just ask the, uh, you know, the, the New York Giants from 2007 when they got hot at the end of the season, went into the playoffs 9-7, and seven, and then proceeded to just beat everybody, including the 16-0 Patriots. And the Patriots, that perfect Patriots team, they looked pretty shoddy in the playoffs, okay? I think they had that, uh, they had that I don't know who they played in the divisional game, but they definitely played the Chargers in the, divisional game, in the championship game that year. That was when Phillip Rivers tore his ACL in the game and kept playing. Uh, LaDainian Tomlinson didn't play. It was a, oh, God, that was, that was a rough year for the Chargers. I think that's when they went 14-2 and two and then fired Schottenheimer after the season. Um, but my point is that they were a hot team that came into the playoffs cold. And even the 9-7 and seven Giants were doing all the right things at all the right times, and that's all that mattered. And that's what you're seeing with the Seahawks right now. They're doing all the right things at all the right times, and they're coming in, and they're tenacious. Now, we might think about two weeks ago how they laid an egg against the Rams, but divisional opponents, the Rams and the Seahawks, these guys see each other often. And for everything that Jeff Fisher does wrong, the thing he does right is play his divisional opponents. And I think that's one of the things that kept his job this year is whenever they played a divisional opponent, the Rams came in and dominated and played very well. I think their divisional record was 5-1 and one this season. I believe they swept the Seahawks this season. And that's something that started to create some doubt because of all this amazing offense that the Seahawks were producing over the last uh, month or so, the one game that they really laid an egg on was that game against the Rams. And it was in Seattle. It was raining. It was ugly. And the Rams kind of came out and, you know, Case Keenum got a victory over this, uh, this Seahawks team. Um, 
so it's and then you know the week 17 they came back and they and they beat the Arizona Cardinals the Arizona Cardinals like a drum they put a lot of points on them 36 some odd points guys chase Kaufman these guys had never heard of were scoring touchdowns but it, it's hard to put a lot of stock in a week 17 game if there's not a lot on the line and the Seahawks and the Cardinals did not have a lot on the line in that game um so been talking a lot about the Seahawks and the things that I think people don't want to see or afraid of um you know of course their defense you're seeing Richard Sherman you're see all these guys is Cam Chancellor going to be playing um you know all of the things that are going to make it bad for the Vikings offense are still in play and that's I think why a lot of people are saying you know is it is you know would would the Vikings really want to be playing say the Packers now if they had lost in week 17 versus playing the Seattle Seahawks I mean this is the Seattle Seahawks are the you know, this is a two-time NFC champions, and they're coming into your house, and it's not going to be fun. Uh, the Vikings, this, I think that, you know, the thing that's going to be exciting is the Vikings' defense. Vikings' defense is what's really been the game-changer all year. You know, Teddy Bridgewater, I don't know if he's really taken a step forward as a, as a second-year quarterback, but the defense, the Harrison Smith, the, the Everson Griffin, these guys are really showing up and doing all of the things that Mike Zimmer – I think, uh, envisioned. You know, we talk about how the Chip Kelly project didn't work. Well, let me tell you something. The Mike Zimmer project is working, and it's working very well. North Turner's offense is making the most out of a quarterback who doesn't air the ball out all the time. You know, Teddy Bridgewater's had some great games, but he's only had one or two where I think he's thrown more than 250 passing yards. He certainly can get some first downs with his legs. Adrian Peterson is once again, I don't need to say anything. I don't need to say anything. The guy is, is an animal. He's one of the best running backs that you see out there. Um, and then, you know, you have, they have guys who are almost kind of built similarly to the Seahawks offense. They're not flashy. They're not exciting. It's not anybody you're probably going to see on a, on a shoe or a billboard ad. But these guys produce when they need to. Kyle Rudolph has played fantastic football. He gets these great touchdown catches when he really needs to, third down conversions when he really needs to. Um, the rookie, Stefan Diggs. I mean, Stefan Diggs is a guy who will get a big catch right when you need it to happen. Uh, I mean, we're forgetting about the fact that Mike Wallace is on that team. Mike Wallace has truly, uh, I mean, he's been playing with quarterbacks and on teams that are not able to take advantage and utilize the skills that he has. That speed, that ability to beat the man and get down the field. I mean, he's got to be kicking himself for not staying in Pittsburgh right now because Pittsburgh just found other guys to take his job. Martavis Bryant and Marcus Wheaton just stepped right in and took the jobs, and they were like, yo, we'll catch these long Ben Roethlisberger passes all day. My pleasure. Where do I, where do I sign up? And uh, this is my address. Send the check here. Mike Wallace, on the other hand, is still riding this contract. Um, really didn't produce that well in Miami. Two seasons in Miami. Now he's in Minnesota, and he's forgotten. Minnesota is kind of sort of wasting money on him. I'm very curious to see if he'll even be on the roster next year. I'd have to take a look at his cap hit and see you know, how many more years. I just don't know off the top of my head how many more years he has left. But he's going to probably be a non-factor in the game. But he'll play. You'll see him in the lineup. You'll see him out there. Um, and I think that's where you start to really – the offenses here are going to be a question mark. Can Minnesota's offense get down the field and, and put any points on the board? Blair Walsh has had some issues kicking. He's missed some extra points. He's missed some, he's missed some field goals. And Seattle's offense has been prolific. 
And of course, we we can't talk about this this wild card matchup without thinking about um, the game that these two teams played earlier in December. This was not a game in week two. It was not a game in week seven. This was a game not long ago where the Seattle Seahawks came into this same arena in Minnesota, freezing cold weather, and they beat the living shit out of the Vikings. I mean, they ran something like 38 points on them. It was it was big. It was it was it was a blowout. It was not pretty, and it really sort of was one of those moments where the Vikings, uh, everyone sort of came back down to earth. The Seahawks were like, "Wait a minute, you guys are forgetting we're the champs," and the Vikings were, "Oh yeah, wait a minute, we're forgetting that we're a young team that's still trying to piece things together," and uh, you know had an embarrassingly terrible opening game. This is a big thing about the Vikings. That week one game on Monday Night Football, where they played the San Francisco 49ers in San Francisco, and they got embarrassed. 20-3, to three, I think, was the final score. They were, Vikings were only able to put three points on the board, which was a big shocker to everybody because then the 49ers proved to be an, a, an atrocious team this season. I think their final was 5-11. and 11. And then you have the Vikings who finished 11-5. and five. So it was a little bit of a mis, uh, you know, uh, misleading at the very beginning to see such a great team like the Vikings with their defense really fall apart. And I think it was because uh, Carlos Hyde got the best of them. He broke off a f- couple of gigantic runs, and you know that really can be the difference maker with, with a game like that. And it's really just one game, um, but you're seeing the Vikings' defense is the thing that's going to need to stick out. And we look at that Seahawks-Vikings game from not that long ago, and it's, it's telling. It's telling that can the Vikings produce again. And now, to give the Vikings some credit, they did something similar to the Green Bay Packers. They had a game against the Green Bay Packers not too long ago, which was in Minnesota. And Green Bay had been playing poorly, and Minnesota had been playing very well. And Green Bay came in there and obliterated them, just made them look like fools, made them look inexperienced and young. And when there was a rematch in Week 17, I think there was a feeling like that was going to happen again. There was this feeling as though the Packers were going to come in and sock it to them one more time, and that didn't happen. Instead, the Vikings, they game-planned, they did a good job, they sat down, they put things together, and they were able to really um, bounce back and, and put the Packers in their place and take a win. Now, you might see that happen with, uh, you might see that happening against the Seahawks. You know, here, I'm looking at the stats right now, okay. Seahawks win 38-7, to Seahawks fly past Vikings for third straight victory. So, this was a situation, Russell Wilson threw three touchdowns. He had two to Doug Baldwin. Um, Teddy Bridgewater had 118 passing yards and a pick. I mean, this was really, this was a really a situation where, oh yeah, the only touchdown in that game was a kickoff return touchdown by Cordero Patterson. So, so as far as I'm concerned, the offense put zero points on them. So there was a game where the Seahawks put up 38 points and the Vikings offense put up zero points. And now we've got to see if the Vikings can actually answer back and win this game. The odds makers probably are not putting it in their favor that much. Um, I believe right now the odds are saying that the uh, Seahawks are favored um, by five points. Uh, Once again, the road team. Road team is favored to win. It's the third straight game, I'm saying, where the road team is favored to win the game. Um, It's tough, but I'm going to have to agree with the... um, the odds makers. I'm gonna pick. I'm gonna pick uh, Seattle in this game. I think the Seahawks are 
You know, they've got that playoff experience. They know what it means to go in there. And if anybody knows how to make a big play when it really counts, it's Russell Wilson and it's Richard Sherman. And these guys are champions. And, you know, it's, it's, it's going to be a big test for Teddy Bridgewater. It's going to be a big test for these guys. And, you know, I hope Adrian Peterson makes his mark. And I hope these guys are able to kind of make an impression on the game so that they, you know, they feel like, they feel like they can really, you know, sock the Seahawks in the mouth. But only time will tell. It's the first game on Sunday. should be very exciting. Um, it'll be cold. It'll be very, very cold. Another, another game that I think will be very physical. Very physical game. Finally, last but not least for Wild Card Weekend, we come to probably the game that has the biggest question mark regarding what's going to happen and who's going to win this game. Uh, the Green Bay Packers and the Washington Redskins. It's going to be in Washington. It's going to be the second game on Sunday. It should be about 4 o'clock um, Eastern time. Uh, you've got the Packers who have really – this has been a difficult season, I think, for the Packers. Losing Jordy Nelson in the preseason was painful. But then to see the ups and downs of their offense, to see them get out to such a hot start at the beginning of the season – I think they started out 6-0, and and then to see their, their ability to perform really – they started to really have problems beating normal teams. And of all things, their offense, their offense, this, this Aaron Rodgers throwing down the field, finding ways to score touchdowns all the time, that was really their big problem this year. Randall Cobb was not nearly as effective without Jordy Nelson. James Jones had to get cut from the New York Giants – this season get picked up by the Packers and there was, you know, it was exciting to him to be like, oh, we we didn't miss a beat and blah, 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 and this and that. Only to then, you know, he says, oh, I came right back and we just started winning and all this crap and all that stuff like that. But truthfully, he disappeared. After the first couple of weeks where he had a couple of fantastic games, James Jones disappeared. And then there was Eddie Lacy having a good day and then sleeping in and missing a meeting and then being benched and then coming back and having another good day and James Starks having a good day and then he wasn't and Aaron Rodgers throwing improbable interceptions. I mean, they have been, if anybody, has been a signifier of inconsistency this season. It's been the Green Bay Packers. Um, even And even their defense, too. I think we've seen it, too. The the, the the plays, the injuries have really caught up with this Packers team. So now you you look at the Packers team that's limping into the playoffs and you compare them to um, – oh, wait, oh, here I'm looking at the Packers opening schedule. See, now I'm looking at it. They started out the season 6-0, and but they played some bad teams. Listen to this record. So the Packers beat – they beat the Saints, the Bears, the Seahawks, okay, the Chiefs, okay, the Niners, the Rams, and the Chargers. That's who they started at. Then they lose to the Broncos, the Panthers, the Lions. They, they, beat the, they lose to the Bears. Like, this is inconsistency. I mean, the teams they're winning against, okay, then they come back to their winning ways, and they beat the Lions on that, that Hail Mary. Then they beat the Cowboys, the Raiders. I mean, these are bad teams. So it's hard to give the Packers credit right now. It's hard to kind of... To, 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 you know, right now you're 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 siding with them on the understanding of their history, their their Aaron Rodgers, you know, the Aaron Rodgers ability to make that third down conversion, the the Eddie Lacy ability to squeak out that one yard, and you know they have not shown that this year. They have not been able to protect Aaron Rodgers. The offensive line has been injured. 
And then you get injuries where you're getting great offensive linemen playing in different positions. And you're seeing it affect their ability to protect Aaron Rodgers. He got hit a couple of times. They had some costly turnovers in Week 17 against the Vikings, you know, where they were hoping in Lambeau to take home, you know, division title. And it did not happen at all. Um, so now you're coming into Washington with a team that's hot. We talked a little bit about a team being hot at the right time. Washington is hot at the right time. Kirk Cousins was looking like Kirk Cousins, and the, and the Washington Redskins were looking like a bad team at the beginning of the season. They played all right. They won some games. Kirk Cousins won a few games here, lost a few games there. You know, they weren't really jumping out and being exciting at first. Um, Deshaun Jackson was injured for much of the season. Uh, the running game was somewhat effective, but then midway through the season, you started to see things change. You started to see their defense play better. You started to see their run game be more effective. You started to really see them come out and beat some legitimate teams. I think it was really the it was the Kirk Cousins, you like that? You like that? Like that was what you saw. You After that game where he came back and looked like a friggin' MVP, a, a league MVP in beating, it was the Buccaneers. He beat the Buccaneers, but, you know, it was still a big win. He comes back. I think, I think the week after that, they got smoked to the, by the Patriots, but then they just started reeling off some good wins, some big wins, things that really made them look exciting. Uh, they, and Kirk Cousins' turnovers started to go down. Deshaun Jackson came back, and the defense started playing better, and now they're, they're dangerous. They are very dangerous, and they're very hot, and it's, it, it, it's, it's represented by the line. The line right now went from the Redskins by one, now the Packers by one. I think that with something like this, you're really going to see the Redskins come out. Uh, I think that they'll come out early. I think their offense is going to hopefully put some points on the board fast. Um, the Packers, uh, you know, all it's going to take is early on in that first half, Packers make a turnover. You know, maybe some Eddie Lacy, James Starks fumbles the ball. Maybe... You get a couple of strong three and outs in the first quarter or the, you know, the first half. And, you know, maybe you see the, Red King, the Redskins game plan and go down the field. They go down the field, they, improbable touchdown. Jordan Reed's been playing out of his mind. You get a couple of Jordan Reed touchdown passes early in this game, and it, it might be over. But then you, you can't count out the Packers. Aaron Rodgers, Packers, these guys are playoff fanatics. These guys are animals. They understand what it means to squeeze in a third and 15 play when the clock is ticking. And it's going to be exciting. It's going to be very It's hard for me to pick a winner to this game because everything about me wants to say the Packers. We want to say the Packers. We want to say this team that we know has won a championship. We, this team that's got Aaron, Rod, Aaron Rodgers, Aaron Rodgers, you know, and it's hard to bet your money on Aaron Rodgers when, you know, uh, or it's, it's hard to, uh, to not bet your money on Aaron Rodgers when Captain Kirk is on the other side when, you know, Kirk Cousins is, is trying to show everybody that he deserves a good contract and big money. And uh, it's, I don't know. I, 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 I'm going to say right now I'm going to have to pick the Packers. They've got the experience. They've got the history. They've got the, the team. Everything's going against them, which in some regards makes me feel as though I'm making the wrong decision here. But even when everything's going against them, sometimes experience – veterans they win out they produce they win that game they they get that selection they find that play it did not work out for the Packers last year with that oh god that game against the Seahawks they should have won that freaking game Packers should have been in the freaking Super Bowl last year um but it's uh it's 
I'm going to I'm going to have to say the Packers. I'll say the Packers. I think they'll probably win the game by 3 points. It'll beat the spread. Um I mean that's my opinion. I well and then so let's let's take these examples. Let's take these examples that I have laid out here. My opinions, they are my opinions. They are like an asshole. Everyone has one. This is mine. I'm going to tell you my opinions. Let's just walk through the divisional round real quick. Take a look. Let's let's think about what the divisional round would hold if these winners won the games. So you, um, the Chiefs beat the Texans. The Chiefs are the um, the five seed. Uh, so you would see uh, you would see the well. Th- this would it would be it would be dependent upon who, who if the Steelers win. If the Steelers beat the Bengals, you will see the Steelers playing the Broncos. And I think the Steelers and the Broncos. Now they're saying Peyton Manning's actually going to quarterback the game. God, it was so masterful how Kubiak did that. He just kind of he did it. It's so difficult to think how he could have reinserted Peyton Manning into this process after Peyton hadn't played for the second half of the season. His performance had been so terrible in the first half of the season. Even though they were 7-2, and two, he still looked awful. Peyton Manning was still leading the league in interceptions. He was still not good. I mean, every one of his passes, it looked like, it looked like my little nephew was throwing those passes. Everything was wobbly, underthrown, picked off. It was bad. Brock Osweiler comes in, and, and Brock has played well. He has not played poorly. He has not shown that he's – no offense to Charlie Whitehurst. I think he's a great guy. I'm sure he can drive any car to his limit. But Charlie Whitehurst has proven that he is a career backup. He'll get paid to do that. He'll be happy to do that. Whether Well, I don't know if he's happy to do it or not, but that's what he does. Um, Brock Osweiler showing that this guy could be the man for a team. And with this Denver team, he had some good plays. He had some bad plays. But I think he performed well. And – he didn't really do all of the wrong – like, it wasn't really his fault for getting benched in that Week 17 game. It was almost a – once again, this masterful way to reincorporate Peyton into the situation. And this is a situation because think about it if Peyton doesn't play in that game. It would have been over a month between whether he played versus whether he hadn't played. You would have seen a situation where Brock Osweiler finishes the season – and then the Broncos have to make this, this heavy, game-changing decision on whether or not they're going to start their MVP quarterback over their kind of unknown guy in a divisional playoff game, a home divisional playoff game. And now they've kind of solved that. They kind of magically just, just stuck Peyton in for a couple of quarters. He played okay. And... You know, now you've kind of you're going in with this confidence of listen, we're not trusting the whole season to this, you know, somewhat unproven six foot ten or really eight foot ten Brock Osweiler. We're still giving it to the proven veteran who's won a Super Bowl, who knows what he's doing. And I got news for you. If he starts playing poorly in the first half, they're gonna yank him faster than you can say, get the fuck out of there. They're gonna put Brock Osweiler in the game and they're gonna give him the chance to win it. And Maybe that's all you need to, to, to pull out a victory against a Steelers team. Uh, Steelers, <sighs> Brock Osweiler or Peyton Manning is not going to win that game. That, the Denver defense is going to win that game. The unspoken part about the Denver Broncos, or it's not unspoken at all, they got the best defense in the league. All right, it hasn't been Peyton Manning winning these frigging games. It's been the Denver Broncos defense. And I think that Denver Broncos defense is going to cause fits for Pittsburgh. If Pittsburgh wins and has to go to Denver and mile high or whatever they're calling mile high right now, I think, um, you know, they've had some difficulty with Denver in the past. And I think you're going to see the same thing again, whether it's Peyton Manning or Brock Osweiler, I think they're going to squeeze that game out. 
And I think that it'll be enough to get to the AFC Championship. I don't think that Broncos team's going to the Super Bowl, but I think they, I think they will beat that Steelers team. Um, that would leave the Chiefs going to New England to play the Patriots. And now you got the Patriots. They've been the picture of injuries this season. Injuries, injuries, injuries galore. And, you know, is Julian Edelman going to be back this week? Um, you know, what's their run game going to look like? Now you've got Steven Jackson is going to be their running back. You know, can their defense put together a scheme that's exciting enough or, or strong enough to, to elicit some turnovers out of uh, the Kansas City Chiefs offense? Um, I mean, we saw last year when Kansas City embarrassed Tom Brady and the Patriots on Monday Night Football. That was, that was, that was the game. After that game, people were sitting there saying, oh, you know, uh, maybe Tom Brady's career's over. Uh, maybe you should start thinking about retiring. Uh, it's looking pretty bad. Um, you know, and then after that game, Patriots went on to win the Super Bowl. Enough said. So now you've got that rematch there. If you have a Chiefs-Patriots sort of lineup, um, I, the, the Chiefs are dangerous. Chiefs are very, very, very dangerous. And I think they are a team that can certainly come in and scare the Patriots, cause some trouble. But I would still have to put my money on the Patriots. You know, Andy Reid's clock management and the ability of that team to sort of collapse. I still got to say that I think the Patriots are a team that's got to be favored in that situation. And you'll probably see a Peyton Manning-Tom Brady rematch in the AFC Championship again. Um, but I, uh, I I think you'll uh, you'll see... Actually, which one? Who, who won that game? Broncos, Patriots, in the AFC Championship game. I, I think I, I think you still got to put your money on the uh, Patriots. It's hard to bet against Bill Belichick and Tom Brady. These guys, for years, just have figured out a way to win. Injuries, problems on defense, problems on offense doesn't matter. They've still found a way to win. Um. Uh, so anyway, AFC or that's AFC. Let's go to the NFC real quick. Let's think about who these winners would be. The sixth seed right now is the Seahawks. I think they'll win. So that means the Seahawks will end up playing um, the Carolina Panthers, who have a little bit of their own sort of history. The Panthers and the Seahawks, they've played each other the last couple of times. Last couple of seasons, they played each other. I think they played each other this season, too. And I believe the, um, I mean, I'm sure the Panthers won that game. The Panthers only lost to the, to the, um, they only lost to the Falcons this year. I think they beat the, the Seahawks this year, but the Panthers have really been, um, you know, as we know, exciting this year as well. But uh, Panthers-Seahawks game, that could be really, really something else. Um, if anybody's sort of in a position to be upsetting the Carolina Panthers, I certainly think the Seahawks are, are one of the teams to do it. Um, but it's hard, to, it's hard to count against that Panthers defense and the role they've been on. They've just been playing so darn good. Um, yeah, they, they, they had a close game. Looks like October 18th. Looks like, yeah, it was a close game. Panthers pulled it out 27-23. Um, yeah, that's right. They had to come back all the way at the end of the game. I think that's when they threw that touchdown pass to Greg Olson. That was pretty exciting. And that was a, a clear moment of the Panthers sort of stepping up and, and slaying that Goliath that had been the Seahawks over the last couple of years. Now, if we're talking about a home divisional game in, in Carolina, uh, we hope that that magic can be replicated again, but that that's going to be a fantastic football game, no matter how you slice it. Uh, Packers, if the Packers win, uh, you'd see the Packers playing the Arizona Cardinals. Um, 
I'm kind of picking the Cardinals to win the Super Bowl. So I think the Cardinals are going to destroy the Packers like they did in Week 16. They embarrassed them. I think that will happen again. Um, I think the Cardinals have a fantastic offense. They have a fantastic defense. Um, there's very, you know, that Week 17 egg they laid against Seattle, I'm not holding much stock in that. There wasn't too much to be held at stake for that game. If anything, I'm looking back to that game, that first game they played in Seattle, where I think they beat them 39-32. to when you're, the, when you're putting 39 points on the Seattle Seahawks, you're clearly doing something right, in my opinion. Um, so I think the Cardinals will, will probably be beating the Packers. Um, I'm going to say the Panthers will probably beat the Seahawks. As, as, as nasty as that game's going to be, I think the Panthers will take it out. NFC Championship, I think you're probably going to see the, the, the Cardinals and the Panthers, and I think the Cardinals will win that game, and I think you'll see the Cardinals in the Super Bowl against the Patriots. I think Cardinals, Patriots, or, you know, my one other probability here is seeing the Steelers run the table, seeing the Steelers beat the Bengals, and then seeing the Steelers beat the Denver Broncos. Um, That's the other exciting thing I think I see coming out. And then you would see the Steelers having to play the Patriots or something to that matter. And I could see the Steelers being that, like, the other probability I have is the Steelers playing the Arizona Cardinals in a rematch from 2008. And uh, this time around, you know, no Santonio Holmes and, and uh, you know, no Kurt Warner. This time around, I think you, you will probably see the Arizona Cardinals beating the Steelers. Um, it's, I think at this time, I'm certainly saying I don't know if anybody's really in a position to be stopping the Arizona Cardinals right now. They're just playing out of their mind, and it's excellent football, and Kudos to Carson Palmer and uh, and Bruce Arians and, and, that, and uh, that entire team, you know, Chris Johnson and David Johnson and Michael Floyd and John Brown and Jaron Brown and every Brown that they got there, they've got everybody and they're playing out of their minds and uh, it's a dangerous team. It's a very, 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 very dangerous team and it's not to be taken lightly whatsoever. Um, all right, that's about it. That's about all I got right now. Talking about wild card. We're talking about wild card weekend. Um, Saturday, Sunday, four games, lots of football, lots of advertising. I'm sure you'll see 8 million advertisements for, let's see here, Bud Light. Uh, I'm going to say, uh, auto insurance. I'm going to say cell phones. Uh, I'm going to say, uh, Viagra and Cialis. Those will be in there too. Um, has anyone else noticed that FanDuel and DraftKings don't advertise nearly as much as they used to? Gee, I wonder why. Maybe everyone's realized that it's tons of gambling and that daily fantasy sports is still just friggin' gambling, guys. Hello, McFly. You bet money and you lose and they don't give you your money back? That's gambling. Anyway, uh, so hopefully we won't see as many commercials for that, um, but we'll probably still see maybe a few here or there. Might be advertisements and little logos on stuff on the screen. Uh, But that's all I got for the time being. Come back a little bit later. We'll pick and choose little things about Wild Card Weekend. We'll also rip apart Wild Wild Card Weekend after the weekend is over. And then we get to talk about the divisional playoffs. Oh, you know it'll be fun. Uh, All right, so that's all I got for the time being. We'll talk later. Take it easy.